today at John, John chapter 1, verse 17. It says, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. The law came by Moses, grace and truth came by Jesus. And he wants you to live in grace and in truth, in balance. He doesn't want you living under the law. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. You don't get to do anything. You get to. Yeah. Well, you have to tithe. No, I get to. I get to, and I have found over years that when I need money, make it to the mailbox and mail something somewhere. Get it in the mail. Get the seed in the ground because it's seed time and harvest time. It's not give me my name is Jimmy and all I want is more. It's like if you have a need... Again, it's Genesis 8.22. If you have a need, plant a seed. And there's no greed in planting a seed. And then the next thing is expect a harvest. What's the point in planting a seed if you don't expect to get anything? Yeah, expect that every time you sow seed into the kingdom of God, he, he said it, in uh, in Second Corinthians nine six and seven, he said, "If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly." Now, does that is that hard to figure out? Is that difficult to figure out? If I sow sparingly, I reap sparingly. But if I sow bountifully, the more I give, the more I live. For God so loved that He gave His only. I remember the day we gave our only. Holland Lefebvre and Krista Lefebvre were in our church for the first time in 1998. I'm standing with my hands up worshiping God. And God said, I said, Lord, I want to do something special. Milan has been in my life since 1980 through his music. I'd really like to do something. God said, give me your car. Now, it wasn't my second car. It was my only car. I had given away cars before, but they were... They were, they were dying on the vine anyway. <laughs> I think we gave away three or four, but it was this one. God, God spoke to me and said, I want you to give him your car. It was a new car. Full warranty, everything. And and I, so I'm standing there worshiping God saying, okay, God. I turned to Nancy and Nancy was over there saying, praise the Lord. <laughs> like doing her Nancy thing. <laughs> wanting to do something special for God. And I turned to Nancy and I said, Nancy, God wants us to give Milan and Christy our car. <laughs> you get real quiet for a minute, but you get on, you get on board. And then, of course, we, uh, we did that. We sold it and gave them the money. And for three weeks, it was, hey, Pastor Paul, can you come get me the $50? Yeah. <laughs> no, three weeks of, you're the stupidest guy on the planet. You ever heard that voice before? I had heard that voice before because I remember inviting Milan Lefebvre to come. Milan Lefebvre, Jesse the Plant is coming open up our church. And everybody said, you are crazy. Matter of fact, one pastor called me up, a famous pastor called me up and said, I've been trying to get Jesse the Plant in here for years. He's got 10,000 10, invitations at a time on his desk. I said, I, I said, well, he's coming here. <laughs> and he did. Yeah. And he flew in in his own jet and got off the plane. And I said, I'm so glad to see you. I thought I was going to pee myself waiting for you. 
and I called a pastor friend over in, uh, over in Twin Falls. And I said, uh, he said, I know what you're calling. He said, I noticed on your, in your magazine that you have a mile of favor, mile of favor. Jesse DePlante is coming into your church and you're calling to see if you're going to have enough money to pay him. I said, that's exactly right. He said, you're about to receive the biggest offering your church has ever received. And it happened. It was like 30 or 40,000 bucks. We were able to, and, you know, he took up his own offering. When he, any of you that think that this, this is a greedy man or anything like that, you don't know him. You know nothing about him at all. So just shut up if you're talking ugly about him. Especially in my presence, because I'll hurt you. <laughs> and then repent. Exactly. But he came up here on his own dime, and he wouldn't even let us pay the hotel. His, his pilot wanted to go see Peggy's Cove. He wouldn't even let us pay for that. He wouldn't let us pay for one single thing. And when the money came in, we were able to give George Moss 10000 bucks at that time. Best money we ever gave him. Why? Because some people have learned how to trust God. Yeah. Not only did he come that time, but we called him up and he came back a second time. Yeah. So this other pastor was really upset with me by then. He <laughs> <laughs> was sitting over in Halifax in a restaurant and he's sitting there with his Timex watch on and his $25 jeans and his, like, like what I'm saying is these people have money, but money doesn't have them. You know why they have money? Because money doesn't have them. That's the big key. The big key, God will give you all, the, all you need. But, you know, why does, what even ties an offering? Do you think he really needs your money? Do you think the creator of the universe is saying, can you help me? <laughs> no, it's about you sowing a seed so that he can give you a harvest. He's not ever out to get anything from you for God's love that he gave his only. And when you give your only, like we gave that car, it was the only car. In three weeks, you're the dumbest guy in the world. But that car, we didn't get, oh man. The first door that opened was Marlon Lefebvre. We had never met him before. Let's do his music all the time. All of a sudden, he's coming to our church. Then when we were with Marlon one night after midnight, he introduces us to Ben and Tammy Priest. <laughs> and it just snowballed from there. You know, Mac and Sandra Gober and gee, Mark, Mark, yeah, exactly. Tons of people, Lynn and Kathy and Mink and... And Mark and Trina Hankins were here twice. And so all these doors opened because, because we planted a seed. So plant the seed. Don't hang on to the seed. You're going to eat the seed and you're going to be hungry tomorrow. <laughs> it, it, no, get radical. I'm serious as I can be. It's not offering time, so I can speak freely to you, and you'll know that I don't have any ulterior motive. I'm saying that when you have a need, man, plant. Give, give, give. Don't give till it hurts. Somebody said give till it hurts. Give till it hurts. Give and don't hurt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes you feel really good. And so we learned over the years when we get in a whatever kind of financial situation, get rid of the seed quick. Get it into the ground. Anyway, uh, the law came 
through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. I'll get you to turn your Bibles to um, Mark chapter 10, please. Hallelujah. Some of y'all just need to go and give your only. If you think you can outgive God, go for it. If you think you can even come close. Will you go through time waiting? Yeah. Three weeks, Pastor Paul, can you come get me? Pastor Paul, can you come get me? Hey, Hooper, you're the dumb preacher. Those voices, after you give a big seed, the voice starts almost immediately. You're on your way home thinking, wow, that was some stupid thing you did. It's never stupid to obey God. He said, you'll make all grace abound toward you. He said this. He said, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Give bountifully, you reap bountifully. But I love, God tells you what he loves. You want to to know what God loves? A cheerful giver. Not somebody with cirrhosis of the giver. A cheerful giver. Things flow through you. Things don't just flow to you. They flow through you. And the more they flow through you, you'll always be wet. There'll always be more to go. And I challenge you to try and give God. I've watched people try to do it. It's not even possible. Yeah. Anyway, where does they go? Mark 10. Mark 10, yes. Anyway, and verse 16, no, verse 17. When he was gone forth into the way, there came unto him one running and knelt by him and asked, Good master, a second up right there, good master, what must I do? What shall I do? What shall I do to be saved? Absolutely nothing. What shall I do to be saved? What shall I do that I may inherit into eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why are you calling me good? There's no one good but God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all of these things I've kept since my youth. And those are the things that were making him rich. He didn't realize it. Then Jesus, beholding him and loving him, and said unto him, One thing you lack, go your way, sow whatever you have, and give unto the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. And come up here, take up the cross, and follow me. Hmm. See, he says, Jesus loved him so much that he had to confront him in order to correct him. Verse 22. He was sad at the saying, for he had great possessions. No, he didn't. Great possessions had him. You can have great possessions if you only got 20 bucks. If your 20 bucks is more important to you than God, you, you've got a problem. Matter of fact, I remember when I first got saved, I'm sitting at Evangel Temple. It's offering time. I got a 20 and a 10. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I threw them both in. <laughs> now I'm broke. But, but I've never been broke since. Yeah. Not ever. Have I had difficult times? <laughs> yeah, I would have had those anyway. 
God's so good. God is so faithful. Matter of fact, I'm getting ready. To, I'm ready to get radical again. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hang on, Nancy. <laughs> so really what he's saying here is natural life had a great hold on him. Fear and money got together, you know, in his life, and that was the problem. Fear and money. Now he's going to depend on himself to get himself in and out of situations. Have you any ever tried that? Is it no? But has it ever ever worked for anybody? Can you say you're further ahead by holding on to that twenty dollar bill until the queen screeched? <laughs> no, sow it. If money's sweating you, give it. Give it. Give it away. Just give it away. It's going to hold on you. The best thing to do, give it away. Yeah. I'm not taking up an offering and saying you should give it to me. No motivation other than setting you free. But when your natural life gets a great hold on you, fear and money get together. Becomes your own God. Hallelujah, becomes your own God. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> but drop down to verse uh, Thank you, Lord. 20, well, 24. His disciples were astonished at his words. Why? Because they were rich. They're all successful fishermen before they ever came into the kingdom. And one was a tax collector, Matthew, so they were doing okay. It was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were astonished beyond measure because they, were, they had money, saying among themselves, then, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said, Lord, we left everything and followed you. Jesus said this in verse 29. Truly I say unto you, there's no man. Say no man. No man. No womb man. That has left a house, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, or lands, say or lands, for my sake, or the gospels. Look at what it says in there. But he shall receive what? A hundredfold win. Now in this time. That's Kairos. Now in this time. In this time is Kairos is a due season. Didn't he say that in Hebrews 6, Hebrews, Galatians 6, 9? You'll reap in due season if you don't quit, if you don't cave in. If you don't quit, if you don't cave in, if you make a decision, I'm not ever going to stop believing God, you'll walk into this. He said, there's some conditions with this that you need to see, though. A hundredfold in this time, houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands. Uh-oh. What did he have to put that in there for? What did he have to put that in there for? God? I was just enjoying the ride, and all of a sudden, with persecution. Nothing you can't overcome. Nope. Hallelujah. I sent, uh, any of you see Jim Carrey talking about Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, powerful, huh? I sent that to a successful businessman this morning. And he got back to me and said, I'm going to church for the first time in years. So Jim Carrey had to say about serving God. 
and not allowing yourself to get bitter over life circumstances. If you haven't seen it, uh, contact me. I'll send it to you. Hmm? Forgiveness brings grace. Oh, forgiveness brings grace. Everybody's had people pee in their cornflakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a part of life. Yeah. And we don't like it. But we walk in love. love. Anyway, back to where I started. I wanted to let you know, wanted to point out to you, that the person beside you is your best blessing. No, but, you know, like preaching for years and years and years, (laughs) I would bring in a guest speaker. And the guest speaker would get up and preach what I'd been preaching for months. They'd come out and say, Pastor, did you hear what he said? (laughs) Never heard me at all. (laughs) I didn't care. I'm saying, as long as you get it, you get it. Um, But but what you need to realize is God put the people next to you on purpose. Yes. They're a gift from God. Well, if you just think if we start looking at each other like this, you're a gift from God to me. Yeah, come on. That's it. You've got something that, that I need in my life. And so I'm going digging for gold. I'm going to find the gold. that My job is to find the gold that is in you. Your job is to find the gold that is in the person next to you and realize that there's all kinds of people in the world, but God didn't put them next to you. Why are they there? They're there to be a blessing in your life, and you're there to be a blessing in their life. Can you imagine a church ever getting a hold of that? You wouldn't be able to keep the people away. Hallelujah. What's going on over there? Love. Love. Oh, my God. Yeah. So much loving. Just loving each other. Looking for the gold in each other instead of fault finding. Mm. Yeah, there's a nice person, but I'd like to tell you. Don't please don't. Leave it with a nice person. He's a pastor and he's been pastor for thirty two years. Let me tell you some stories. Well, I could tell some too. I know where all the bodies are buried. Don't ever get me telling stories. <laughs> I know the truth, and the truth might might not set you free. <laughs> That's the hardest part about being a pastor, keeping your mouth shut. <laughs> no, it is. When you want to say what you're really thinking at the moment. What? <laughs> oh my where was I in the Bible somewhere John chapter 1 he starts out in verse 14 he says and the word was made flesh the word this was made flesh and dwelt among us I got it in my hand right now we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father full of fear and condemnation guilt and shame what's he full of 
What am I supposed to be full of? Not some kind of religious rule keeper. You got to do this. You got to do that. No, I don't have to do anything. First, first thing I don't have to do is listen to you anymore. <laughs> no, no, we, we like the verse, there's no condemnation. It's a great verse. I'll leave that alone at the moment, but there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. He's full of grace and truth. Verse 15, and John bare witness of him and cried, saying, this is the one I spoke about. He's coming after me, preferred before me, because he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received grace for grace. Verse 17, the law came. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law came by Moses. What was the purpose of the law? I think that's over in um, Galatians chapter 2 or chapter 3. Verse 23 is good too. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up onto the faith which would afterwards be revealed. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. That we might be justified. This is, but look at this, but that we might be justified. The law came to let you know that you can't be a rule keeper. The law came to expose the fact that you can't do it on your own. The law came to let you know that you don't have to do it all. You don't have to be a rule keeper. You're free. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. He said in John 8.32, he said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. How much truth you have is how much freedom you live in. I remember years ago watching apartheid in South Africa and Nelson Mandela getting the people liberated from all of that. The problem was they, they, were, they were liberated, but they were never, ever... They, they got delivered, but they didn't get free because they kept looking for an oppressor, somebody to blame. Was the blame there? Yeah. But in order, to be, in order to be free, you have to think free. As long as I see an oppressor out there trying to get me, I can't be free. He said, I brought you deliverance, but I can't bring you freedom. Freedom comes when you think free. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. When you realize that I don't have anybody to blame, there's only one race on the earth, the human race. I'm a part of it. So no one else, no one else, can you just know this? No one else is your problem. The one in the mirror could be the problem. And that's only because the one in the mirror doesn't have a revelation of who you are in Christ. The son is set free. It's free indeed. Hallelujah. He might be, but after faith came, we were no longer under a schoolmaster. For we are, look at this, 
for we are all children of God. That's the word we are, it's a son. We're all sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And for as many of you who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Look at this. Now, this, then look what he says next. There's no Jew. There's no Greek. There's no bond. There's no free. No male, no female. But what happens? You are one in Christ. So that doesn't mean a man's better than a woman. Verse 29. And if you be in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Christ stood for me. He took my place, man. He became sin for me that I'd become the righteousness of God in him. Let's go to... Um, Romans chapter 3. The big problem with my Bible is I've got everything all whited out. And there's no titles at the top of the page or anything. <laughs> Romans chapter 3. The verse I heard in church all the time was verse 23. All have sinned, brother. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they, they even changed the way they spoke. Brother, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And look at you, you pathetic thing. Any of you never went to any of those churches? You need to be blessed. Huh? You never ever went to a place where all they do is throw guilt on you every Sunday? You had to get saved again, 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 again. Yeah, you were there too. Oh, that's good. You appreciate these verses then. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But they never read verse 24. They never ever read verse 24. One day I'm riding along and I read it myself. I said, look at that now. Being justified, just as if I'd never sinned, justified, just as if I'd never done anything wrong, justified. How? Freely. Doreen, it means without cause, without condition. Freely. I couldn't earn it. I didn't have to pay for it. By his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Wow, you mean to tell me I can just get a hold of this? I can come right to the mercy seat and get faith in the blood and restoration, to fellowship, to favor? Hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. <laughs> Verse 25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, a mercy seat through faith in the blood, to declare his righteousness from the remission of sins that are passed through its past tense, through the forbearance of God. To declare I to declare I say at this time, what time is this? Right now. At this time, right now, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him that believes. Verse 27, I've got nothing to brag about. I've also got nothing to be ashamed of. I can't take credit for anything good, and I can't take the blame for anything bad. I'm on the courtroom chair 
prosecutors coming against me, and I had the power of attorney. Plead the blood of Jesus. What do you have to say for yourself? Nothing. <laughs> I'm the redeemed of the Lord, and I say so. I've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I say that. I like verse 27. We're in this boasting then. It's excluded. By what law? By works? No, but by the law of faith. Not holiness to have, to, in order to have union with God. Union with God to, in order to have holiness. Come on, it's the opposite. I'm not trying to be holy. I am. <laughs> How'd he get there? He did it. I can't pat myself on the back and say, I'm some spiritual. See, the laws are affected by your emotions. Yeah. But you think about it, it's the law of faith. How does it work? The same way that electricity does. We're in here in the light because somebody flipped on the switch. Listen to me. We didn't have to have a feeling, gee, I hope this works. I'm going to turn on the light, see what happens. Oh, no. Yes, matter of fact, you'd be shocked if it didn't come on, wouldn't you? Yeah. What's wrong here? That's the attitude that you need. Right. No, this is the attitude that God wants you to have. Well, you're, you're, you're living under the law of faith. When something's wrong, it's like, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. This doesn't belong to me. Right. I'm walking in the light in Jesus' name. Yeah. Darkness be gone from me. Yeah. And if the switch ain't working, I'm calling the pastor. <laughs> pastor, my electricity's out. Come on, no, call, no, you're gonna, you're gonna do something to fix the electrical problem right. in your life. Right. Do something to fix the problem, whatever the problem is that the devil brings your way. Call me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't don't even know about. Come on, Jeremiah thirty-three three. Everybody knows this phone number. Not too many people use it. My favorite verse is a Psalm sixteen eleven. You may know what it says. Could you read that out loud, please? Grab a microphone. It'll do you good. You need to know this. Praise the Lord. <laughs> what? No, just kidding. <laughs> Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. That's maximum it, joy. He calls it the path of life. Yeah. No, but if there's a path of life, shouldn't we be on it? Yeah. That's right. How do I know when I'm on his path, the path of life? Exactly. Exactly. Read it again. You need to hear this. Thou wilt show me the path of, of life. life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At the right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Yeah, but that's a, what, a, what a promise. Yeah. To get in his presence. Just get in his presence. He said, this is a pathway of life. Live your life in my presence. You can, I've given you this opportunity to live your life in my presence. How will I know when I'm there? You'll get happy. <laughs> if you ain't happy, you're living in your presence, not his. 
Maximum joy, exactly. Oh, Romans 4, 4. Yeah, verse 4 of Romans 4 is a good one because it says, Now unto him that works, the reward is not reckoned of grace, but of death. You don't owe God anything. How about 5, chapter 5? Oh, chapter 5. How do you get through chapter 5 without reading the whole chapter? Well, you got to read verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, but if there's a therefore, you find out what it's there for. Well, you need to read verse 25 of chapter 4 in order to figure it out. We were delivered, he was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our what? Again, just as if I, in God's sight, listen to me, in God's sight, you haven't done anything wrong. Even when you're wrong, you're right. Now, I know there's 1 John 1, 9. You know, if you miss up, mess up, you confess your sin. He said, not only will I forgive you of your sin, the one that you're aware of, but I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. All. That's the stuff you don't even remember. Raised to give for our justification. Verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, being justified... I'm telling you, the grace of God will come in, come into your life when you embrace this new identity. No, the grace comes alive when you embrace someone different. I'm different. I'm not who I used to be. I'm a different person now. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's why you can't live your life driving in the rearview mirror. Get your, road, get your eyes on the road. Keep your eye on the road. Keep the pedal to the metal. Well, being justified, how do I know when, I'm, when, I, when it's working with me? I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, he's given us access into this grace wherein we stand. And we, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Yeah. Now, 2023, I would call that the year of tribulation. <laughs> but 23, if you read the Psalms, he's in a valley and 24 is on a mountain. Yeah. This is 2024, so expect to be going up. Oh, yeah. Expect to get into a new place in him. Amen. Expect it. No, because you're going to get what you expect. Amen. Will things ever change? Yeah, they're changing all the time. Amen. The question is, will I change with them? Oh, lots of times we come to church and we already got our minds made up what we believe, what we don't believe. And so they call it a mindset. It's very destructive. If I, if I come in here and I think I already know everything, I'm not going to get anything. And so if I get in here and I hear something that messes up my equilibrium, I'm not supposed to check it away. I'm supposed to meditate and think about it, chew on it, and decide whether it's going to fit in my life or not but expect to be changed. Amen. Why? Because he said in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he said, I'll promise you, I will change you. Yeah. Yeah. I promise you, you're going to experience change in your life, not from misery to, to misery, from glory, glory. to glory. Amen. He said, I'm going to keep taking you up. As long as you'll go with me, go with I'll take you up. Amen. Yeah. So don't stop somewhere and get a mindset. 
Say, God, I come to church here to renew my mind. If I really thought right, I wouldn't have to go to church. <laughs> I wouldn't need a Bible. Not only so we glory in tribulation, also knowing that tribulation works patience, patience experience, experience hope, and hope does not make ashamed. I'm working it out. Because the love of, look at this, because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Shed abroad in my heart, not in my head. My heart. I believe with my heart, not with my head. My head, my Bible tells me in Romans chapter 8, is hostile to the things of God. My head doesn't agree with the things of God. My head doesn't agree with by his stripes I'm healed made whole when the doctor's telling me something else. Let God be proved. Let God be true and every man a liar. Of course, don't tell your doctor that, but... <laughs> You're a liar, man. <laughs> verse 6. So verse 5, he said, Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which was given to us. <sighs> Hallelujah. It doesn't necessarily like where you are, but it gives you a way out, right? Yeah. For we were yet without strength, but in due time, Kairos again, appointed time, and at a point in time, Christ died for the ungodly. I've been watching Joey and, and Lisa believe in God to get their house started. Yeah. It's been a long process. But I remember when we went through it. We went through that thing. It was so all summer long, they didn't start the thing until September. And um, But when it finished, it finished on January the 10th, my birthday. And I was all uptight and out of sight. Not, none of you have ever experienced that, but, you know, God, give me patience and give it to me now. <laughs> he said, you have need of patience. That you, After you've done the will of God, you, you receive the promise. In due time of verse 6, he died. Look at this, he died for the ungodly. Verse 8, but God commends his love toward us, that while we were yet, my worst day. My worst day, I remember, how many of you remember your worst day? I remember my worst day. There'd been a party going on in my house for over a week. I mean over a week. And um, I came walking out into the kitchen and my shoes were sticking to the floor from all the booze that had been spilt on the floor. I had a motorcycle in the bedroom and uh, it was a very classy place and uh, I came out and I was so hungover. I mean, I don't need to tell. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. I was sick. I looked in my closet and all my pockets had been taken inside out because I hung around with drug addicts. Yeah. They were looking for money before they went home. <laughs> I came out there and my feet sticking to the floor. And I went to pour a glass of water out from under the tap. And I snapped the top right off the glass trying to hold it steady enough to get a drink. 
Then I called the Drug Dependency Center. And I, they, they got me right in. Oh, yeah. Problem was, I got there on a Friday. And Sunday, I was feeling so much better, I left. <laughs> Next thing you know, it was a 28-day program. That time, I, yeah. I stayed. And I remember going out under the back lawn. What's that? I went out under the back lawn. Other people were going out there smoking dope, even in the 28-day program. I'm out there in the back lawn, and I'm saying, God... If you're real, and I really believed that he was anyway. Yeah. What you did 2,000 years ago doesn't mean anything to me. I'm trying to be saucy. It means nothing. Can you do something for me yeah. right now? Right now. The peace of God came. Amen. Swept over me like yeah. born again at that moment. Yeah. Totally changed yeah. in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Yeah. It's amazing what it looks like at the bottom. <laughs> the bottom. <laughs> Everything looks up after that. <laughs> All things are looking up now. <laughs> I had a course in the room that I was in, the big do dorm room. There was another guy in there having DTs. Any of you know what DTs are? Yeah. He was hallucinating bad. I mean, bad. He was seeing rats coming out of the woodwork and everything. So I went and I found, a, I found a baseball bat down in the common room, slipped it in under my pillow. I said, if he comes near me, I'm going to hit a home run on his head, man. <laughs> no, he never did. But, you know, I, was, I didn't know about angels being in charge of me at that point. <laughs> Why am I going through all this? Hmm? They were there, the angels were there. Yeah. Grace and truth. God's grace. Verse uh, Romans uh, 5.17. For if one man's offense, death reigned by one, death came by one. Much, everybody say much, much more. Much more. Much more. They that received the abundance of the grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. He said, if you'll receive this gift, you'll reign in life. Yeah. I don't have time to get to the truth. I was going to do grace and truth today. But it was five after twelve. Five after twelve. Preaching in a little while. But think about this. I'll leave you with this last thought. The person next to you is a gift to you. Go find out what their gift is. Give them yours. The body of Christ. Family. Real family. Your family's here with you today. And God's mind is on increase. He wants to grow your family exponentially. He said, I've got big plans for this congregation. Despise not the small beginning. Expect him to move mightily in your midst. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.